Armed American Radio listeners, today's Armed American Radio's recorded version of the national radio broadcast, the Armed American Radio podcast, is being brought to you today and every day by North American Arms. Make sure to visit NorthAmericanArms.com for the finest mini revolvers on planet Earth. NorthAmericanArms.com. Enjoy the show. is Armed American Radio. If they want to take my guns, they're going to have to bring a station wagon and a whole lot of friends because I'm not giving them anything. From the Car Firearms Group Studio. On the Sig Sauer Platinum Microphone. Mark, we know they want to take our guns, and now we're going to make them eat it. Freedom might be an uphill battle sometimes, but freedom will always prevail. Proudly presented to you by X-Insurance. X-Insurance. Here is your host of Armed American Radio, the loudest conservative voice in America fighting for your rights, Mark Walters. Walters. Armed American Radio's MonsterCast, the New Year's Eve edition, continues. News now in the Car Firearms Group studios. Mark Walters, of course, sitting in front of the Sig Sauer Platinum, a very powerful microphone. All of this is being brought to you today by the Great X Insurance, a real insurance company, ladies and gentlemen. AM Best Rated. If you need insurance for anything, AM Best Rated is what you want. X Insurance has it all. All right, let's continue. Now, we are taping this in advance for you. It is New Year's Eve, so we can give everybody the night off for obvious reasons. I hope you're actually listening to this on podcast and not listening to us live on New Year's Eve today. But let's get started with the second hour. Ryan Petty joins us now as we wrap up the year and we look back on what some of the top stories were with some of our guests. Ryan, welcome to the show, my brother. Second time this week. Actually, this is a new week, but second time in three days. How are you today, my friend? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. I know we're we're a day early, but uh, but but I wouldn't want to miss an opportunity to wish you uh, a happy New Year, Mark, and thank you for your voice in this important life critical life debate that we have here in the United States over the Second Amendment. You are a loud, strong voice uh, supporting our rights, and I can't thank you enough for your voice and your friendship. Well, I appreciate it. It means a lot to me. And of course, you as a regular contributor to the program, we feel very strongly about having you on the show for a lot of different reasons. And your voice is critically important at this juncture. Ryan, let's let's talk a little bit about 2023. Now, as I was talking to you before we began the program today at the at the top of this break, coming into this hour, I, I don't I'm, this is not scripted, ladies and gentlemen. I, I have nothing planned for my guests today. This is an off the cuff, spontaneous conversation as if I were sitting talking to each and each one of these individuals. And Ryan, I, I think that makes for great radio when we're looking at a year end wrap up. You know, you and I have had many conversations off air, sitting at different locations around the country sitting across each other from a table. And that's kind of the experience I want listeners to get. So let me start it off with this. If you and I were just sitting at a table at the SHOT Show in the media room and I said to you, wow, can you believe 2024 is right around the corner? What do you think the top stories were, the most important things that we've had to discuss relative to the Second Amendment, looking back over 2023? Maybe pick three or four. Let's just pick one out of a hat. What would you say is the lead dog story looking back at 2023? What was most important to you? 
you know, I, I'd love to point at one particular story, but it's, it's a thread of stories and it's gone on for, you know, more than just 2023, but it really came to a head in 2023. I, Mark, to me, it's the executive over, overreach at the federal level. It's the Biden administration using executive power and rulemaking authority. In, in my view, in many cases, outside of the law, outside of the intent of Congress or beyond the intent of Congress, and certainly uh, beyond uh, the purview of the of the courts, at least initially, as they as they attempt to make the rules. But it's that rulemaking that they've done vis-a-vis the Second Amendment and trying to restrict the Second Amendment in. I guess I could say new and creative ways. Um, they are they, creative, they aren't they? Have, they are, yes, and they're going after the Second Amendment in every way that they possibly know how. And uh, they have abused the executive uh, you know, rulemaking authority that they have, unlike any other administration that I'm aware of. With regards to the Second Amendment, I think they learned everything that they know from the Obama administration, and then they've carried that forward with a with an eye and a focus on uh, penalizing law-abiding Americans. You know, I don't think we can have that discussion without obviously mentioning the ATF, who has been a focal point of overreach from this administration. I think you would agree with that. And when you talk about executive overreach, we, we can't overlook the DOJ and what the ATF has been up to under Dettelbach this previous 12 months, of course, that being overreaching, ma- making making law outside the purview of Congress. Now, you found themselves in court multiple times. They're being challenged each and every time, but it doesn't stop them, Ryan. They just keep going. It started with bump stocks under Trump. It moved to obviously, quote unquote, what they like to refer to as ghost guns. It moved to the pistol brace. Etc. I don't the creativity from the other side. You know, Alan mentioned the creativity last week on the show on Christmas Eve. They just keep getting more creative in states like California. But that executive overreach, we you're an FFL. The ATF touches you. How dangerous is this? It's it's an incredible threat to our you know, as they like to say, to our democracy, right? Huh. <laughs> Isn't it interesting they talk about what you know, destroying democracy and they're doing exactly that with these rules that they're making that carry the weight of law from a division, the ATF in this particular case, outside the law, the, the, the law writing, you know, outside of Congress, outside of the House of Representatives and the Senate, and a signature from the president, which is how a law is made. That's how we make law in this country. And the ATF also has, in addition to that, to what they're doing illegally, unconstitutionally, but also has police powers to arrest. I've never seen anything quite that dangerous relative to moving outside of Congress inside the DOJ like that. Have you? I haven't. And even during the Obama administration, I think there was a recognition or at least, you know, some cooler heads that prevailed within that administration to say, hey, wait a minute. We if we do this, we're likely to get our hands slapped in the in the courts. So maybe we should, you know, maybe there are limits to what we can do as in the executive 
uh, side of things on the regulatory front, the, the Biden administration, the creativity that Alan's describing, and I think, and, and I'm alluding to, is really around this this idea that, you know, we don't care what happens after we make the rules. Right. Let's just make them, and then let's force these Second Amendment advocates to take us to court and go through a lengthy, you know, court process to push back and 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 hope that some of this will stick. It's been really kind of a let's throw it against the wall and see what sticks kind of approach. And it's incrementalism, but it's a new type of incrementalism. It's it's one that's not bounded by the Constitution. And I'm not the first to say this or to make this observation, Mark, but, you know, what the left accuses conservatives of doing is truly projection, right? They're projecting when they say, you know, Trump was a big abuser. Trump is a threat to our democracy. Trump was going to be, you know, he was using presidential power to you know, to override the Constitution, whenever they claim that about their opponents, that's in fact what's on their mind, and that's in fact what they plan to do. And we saw that in 2023 uh, with the Biden administration. You know, when I when I listen to you talk about the incrementalization and the projection that you're referring to, what it 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 makes me believe that the left, well, let me, I'm going to try to rephrase this. It's hard to articulate this properly. I guess where I'm going with this is when they project, for example, when they say Trump is going to destroy democracy, it's democracy as they want it to be, which is outside the rule of law and the constitution. And Trump is a threat to their ability to destroy the constitution in the very ways that you just mentioned. They don't like that. And you were going to jump in, go ahead. You're 100 percent correct. That's exactly what they mean. It's it's democracy as they see it, which the way they see it is them in power and them with the ability to control what you and I do. And that's what the left uh, aims for. That's their ultimate goal. That's what they like. You know, America stands in in stark contrast to leftist ideology, the communists and the Marxists that have, you know, been around for for over a hundred years now pushing this, they haven't forgotten that America is the greatest enemy to their ideology. And so incrementally they have committed to tearing it down and, and they've captured many of many of the leadership in the democratic party, unfortunately, and they've pulled them to the left. They've, they've encouraged them to use executive power in in unconstitutional ways and you know there's two ways this ends uh mark all right now hold hold on to that thought hold on to that thought we're we're getting ready to take our first break and ladies and gentlemen when we come back we've got another segment with ryan and i want to pick that up with there's two ways this ends armed american radio's monster cast new year's eve edition continues right after the break The following segment of Armed American Radio is being brought to you by Defender Coffee. When you drink Defender Coffee, you're making a donation to a gun rights organization of your choice that protects and defends your freedoms. Welcome back to the show. Happy New Year, ladies and gentlemen. It's the New Year's Eve edition. I'm speaking with Ryan Petty here in the Car Firearms Group Studios. Six-hour microphone lit up for you. 
X Insurance presenting it all. Ryan, let's go back. And you said there's two ways this ends. How do you see this ending? What are the two ways? The two ways are th- there's going to be some sort of a revolt, right? The common Americans, the cons- the lovers of the Constitution, the lovers of freedom and liberty at some point are going to have to stand up, unfortunately, and say enough is enough. And that is going to um, you know, that will that's that will lead to some sort of violence. Um, it's not the path that I I hope we take. It's not the path I want us to take. I hope it's not needed. I hope the second path is one where the Supreme Court comes in once and for all and and uses a Second Amendment case. This would be my ideal scenario. But to use a Second Amendment case, probably one that is being litigated currently right now to rein in the executive branch and to shame Congress once and for all into doing the job that we elect them to do, which is to legislate and to come to consensus and to debate and to write law. That should not be done in the regulatory branch of government. That should not be done by the president and his appointees. That should be done by our elected and somewhat accountable officials in Congress and representatives. And that's what that's the path I'd like to see. I'd like to see the Supreme Court take the executive branch down a notch, back to where the founders originally envisioned it, and to shame Congress into stepping up and doing their job, Mark. You know, I almost hate to say because you've said the quiet part out loud, and I appreciate that. Here's my fear, that we're beyond that. And I think if we look at the actions of the Democrats in Congress that I often refer to, as you as you know, the commie Marxist socialist masquerading as former Democrats, because they're out of their shell now. In other words, that 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 genie has escaped the bottle. The communist Marxist socialist agenda of the Democrat left has escaped the bottle. I don't know that there's any putting it back. Let me give you a real life example. Post Bruin environment in 2023. Bruin, of course, came down in June, June 23rd, specifically of 2022. The Democrats have ignored it. They couldn't care less what the Constitution says. They couldn't care less what the Supreme Court says the Constitution says. They flat out ignore it. And I don't know at this stage of the game that any Supreme Court ruling will have any legitimacy as it comes to or as it pertains to leftist ideology. They will ignore it just like they're doing with Bruin, which leads me to believe we say that quiet part out loud. I don't think this ends well. I don't know because I guess aren't aren't we saying in a perfect world it'd be great if both sides can hold hands and sing kumbaya. Do you even think that's possible now, Ryan? I do not. I think we're beyond that. I, I don't think we can ever get back to that. Not in its present it, form. It's tough right now. I, I and I don't uh I don't necessarily see a path, Mark. I'm with you. I don't I don't know how we get there. The only thing that I could possibly hope for is is the is the second scenario that I described where the Supreme Court reigns in the executive branch and says you you cannot do the following and they're very explicit about it. And then my hope is the cooler heads, the Traditional Democrats reassert some control over their party and rein in the leftists or expunge the the leftists even better, kick them out of the Democrat Party and get back to uh, a time when Republicans and Democrats could sit down with you know the common things we all believed in at one point, the Constitution, freedom of speech. The right to keep and bear arms, the right to privacy, the things that that bond us together and bind us together as a nation. We we should be able to get back to that. We can get 
back to that, but it's going to require the traditional Democrats to reassert control of the uh, party. There you go. Is that, that possible? Wild. That, that's my question. Is that possible? Is there a traditional, and I guess in this case, we would be looking at maybe a blue dog Democrat or a modern Democrat, uh, uh, a modern blue dog Democrat. And let me say that, let me rephrase that. Not modern, moderate. And I don't know that there's any moderates left in the Democrat party or enough of them to do what you're suggesting needs to be done. I don't know that there's enough. This is going to have to come from the people. And the Democrat voter has not shown the propensity to want to get back to that. And I, th- I fear with this technology that we have today, and I, you know, I always jump all over the media and social media, et cetera. Social media to me is evil. It's a scourge on the society. It is destroying the psyche of this nation because the haters have a huge voice out there. And the division in the country is so bad right now. I don't know that it's possible we put it back. Where are those cooler heads, I guess, is what I'm asking. And like you, I don't see that path right now. I hope to God we're able to avoid violence. But if you look around, you you see it hinted about across the political spectrum. And it's almost as if it's not almost as if let's face facts while we're having this conversation. The left is baiting the right to act. That's what they're doing so that they can blame whatever violence they have planned on us. That's what's getting ready to happen. That's my biggest fear, Ryan. Well, it's it's a valid fear, and it's correct to fear that because this and this is straight out of the Marxist playbook. But our reaction is their action. So so they they want to push us towards violence. They want to they want to push us to a reaction that they can point to and say, "See, those are the bad people. Those are the people prone to violence. Those are the ones that we have to all be af- afraid of." And they hope to get the rest of the population on their side by doing that. So we have to be very very careful yes. about how we approach this. That's why I don't want to go down that first path if we can avoid it. If there's any way to avoid it, we should. But the challenges on the Democrat side are are almost insurmountable in my view because the, the fundraising follows the leftist ideology. That's where the dollars are. And that's why you've got that drift to the left for, for, for the Democrat Party and the Democrat leaders. And it's really hard to get the centrists, the blue dogs or whatever, as you describe them, back in power because they lack the ability to fundraise. Yeah, and, uh, you know, even worse than that, again, I go back to, to uh, media. When the left has the media in their hip pocket, mainstream media, that is helping them push this narrative. And at this point, I, I'm going to go back to our friend Neil McCabe. I think the best case scenario, because 2024, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be a vicious political year, the worst this country has ever seen, likely since the 1860s. And you know where I'm going with that. But there is a real possibility of political violence in this country leading up to the election in November of 2024, right around this corner. And when you have mainstream media pushing that narrative, I don't know how we get back to anything other than possibly what our good friend Neil McCabe says, that the country just agrees to split red here, blue here. And I'll tell you what happens then. Those of you that want to live in blue states, you're going to be living in North Korea while the rest of the country is free. There are two Americas right now. There's socialist America, communist America, and there's a free America. Ryan, I'll give you the final word. We've got about 15 seconds. Are you hopeful for 2024? Can we pull this out? I'm more worried about 2024 than I have been in any previous year. I'm very concerned about the 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 actions of the left and how far they're willing to push us in 2024. I think we have to be very, very careful and remember 
America is the last best hope for liberty in the world. Nobody's coming to help us. Ryan Petty, thank you very much for that message as we go into 2024. Ladies and gentlemen, we will be back in the next four minutes after the break. Don't go away. segment of Armed American Radio is being brought to you by Mike Lindell and MyPillow. Don't forget to use the promo code AAR at MyPillow.com. Welcome back. Armed American Radio's Monster Cast continues now, the second half of the second hour of the show. It's New Year's Eve. Welcome inside the Car Firearms Group studios with me. I am Mark Walter, sitting in front of this six-hour powerful and platinum microphone, and it's all being brought to you today and every day by the great X Insurance. Please, ladies and gentlemen, go out of your way as we head into 2024 to support Armed American Radio partners that make these conversations possible every single day. Have you picked up your goat guns yet? Perfect. You talk about your new addiction, that's it, goatguns.com. Have you had some of the firewood shipped and the cooking wood as we're getting ready, believe it or not, to head into spring as we turn the corner into 2024? Cuttingedgefirewood.com. Do you have an emergency food supply? I would highly recommend it. Heavensharvest.com has you covered. You can find them all at armedamericanradio.com. As we continue the year-end wrap-up here on Armed American Radio, I now turn to Dr. John Lott, founder of CrimeResearch.org. John, welcome to the program. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for joining us on New Year's Eve. I appreciate it very much. Oh, Happy New Year. Happy uh, New Year to you, too. So let's. I'm going to do with you what I've been doing with my guests for the, for the first hour and, and uh, with Ryan Petty preceding you. I don't have anything. I don't have a, a bullet point of stories lined up for you. I don't. I don't have anything planned. What I want is I want to make this more of just a, a table discussion, John. If you and I were sitting at a table in the media room at Shot Show, for example, having a conversation on the last day of the year, what what you think were some of the biggest stories of 2023 as we head into 2024 and what it means as we turn the corner? Kind of a broad brush question. But you've done a ton of research. We've talked about it on the show over the last 12 months and over the last few years, quite frankly. What do you see as the biggest thing that happened from your perspective in 2023 and, and the implications as we move into 2024, John? Well, I, I suppose the biggest thing to me has just been the weaponization of government, uh, just the legal system, how uh, they've gone after Trump. <coughs> Um, and just how you have the federal government being used against uh, political opponents for the administration. And it's done in many different areas. But, um, you know, if you had talked to me, I don't know, 10 years ago or even less, and it told me that uh, many of the things that we've seen in recent years, uh, let alone this year, uh, I wouldn't have believed it would have happened. But you know, the different lawsuits that have been brought, uh, you know, it seems like there's been a lot of systematic coordination to go after people that the administration uh, opposes. And, and to me, that's the scariest thing. I, I like, you know, it's interesting because that's exactly that was the first thing that Ryan Petty said in the previous half hour when I asked him the very similar question of, of 23 
was that weaponization of government. So I'll turn the same question over to you. We can't really have that conversation, really, without talking about ATF as it relates to gun owners. Of course, the ATF has been unleashed under Dettelbach and the Biden administration against law-abiding gun owners, not just law-abiding gun owners, but I would say almost more importantly, dealers have been, this agency has been weaponized, I think, more so than any other agency. Is it possible to even consider reining it in now as we move into 2024? And what do you think is going to happen based on what they've done in 2023? What do you think they wind up doing in 2024? Are they at the the end of their ropes or do they have more, more gas in the tank? Well, I mean, there's a lot more damage that they can do. I think on some things like going after uh, gun dealers that they're putting out of business, uh, you know, uh, it's just something that's been ramping up, and I think it's going to continue to ramp up. Uh, You know, I hear horror stories like from northern Texas where uh, they put a gun dealer out of business uh, 15 and 16 years ago. He had made tiny paperwork mistakes. Even the Obama administration, which had looked at it, had decided that he didn't, uh, you know, he had made a mistake, but they said it was trivial. They fined him, closed the books on it. He's made no other paperwork mistakes in the intervening 15 years. Uh, But the Biden administration has reopened uh, the two cases from 15 and 16 years ago uh, to put him out of business. I mean, This notion of any paperwork mistake, no matter how trivial, no matter how inconsequential, uh, to put firearms dealers out of business. You know, they want to go and say that they're going after rogue gun dealers, when in fact all they're doing is uh, using any excuse that they can to put firearms dealers out of business. And that's not the only thing they're doing. They're making it, you know, even outside of the ATF, uh, they're making it so that financial institutions won't do business uh, with people in different industries that the the Biden administration disapproves of. And, you know, they're putting them out of business, uh, or at least making it much more costly for them to go and operate, try running a company without uh, financial institutions being willing to do business with you. John, the ATF has been tied up in court. Of course, we, we go back to, as I did with Ryan, we go back to the bump stock ban under Trump. That's tied up in court. Of course, some decisions in our favor on that. Still working its way through the court system. Fifth Circuit's been very active in that. Of course, the quote-unquote ghost guns. ATF has been has received some unfavorable rulings there. I think we're going to win on that as well in the long run. And, of course, the pistol brace rule. And all of these are the ATF being tied up in court. Is there, a, you know, the creativity seems to be a, a a common theme that we've talked about with some of our guests last week on the show. Alan said that the left is is scary creative in what they're doing post Bruin. What else do you think they can come up? What else is what 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 else does the AT? What other bad tricks do they have in the bag? Well, well, I mean, the big thing that's coming down the pike is what they're going to define as a gun dealer. Uh, they're pretty much going to define anybody who transfers a gun. I mean, you transfer one gun and even talk to somebody about transferring a second gun, you are going to be classified as a gun dealer. And so they're doing that in order to kind of push through their universal background checks rules. Um, You know, you sell a gun and you have records on how much you paid for it and how much you got (laughs) in return for the gun. 
then you're a gun dealer, even just one, apparently. And uh, they want to do this in order to, I think, eventually set up their national gun registry uh, that they have. Obviously, the Biden administration has been, even uh, almost two years ago now, had uh, computerized sales records for almost a billion transactions that occurred over many decades. Uh, You know, and but they want to make sure that they're getting everything that's there. That's the reason why they're pushing for these universal background checks. Uh, But that's going to come through. Um, You know, and the problem is, is because the Community Safer Community Act, they changed uh, we can thank uh, John Cornyn uh, in Texas for negotiating right. this. They changed the language on what defines a gun dealer to give, you know, you mentioned all these cases that they're losing. I'm not as optimistic that they're going to lose this case because of the change in language. I mean, is it vague language that they have? Yeah, sure, it's very vague language. But um, uh Republicans uh, that voted for this uh, are, you know, obviously all the Democrats voted for it too. Um, it's going to leave a big opening that at least sympathetic courts are going to let them drive that truck through. Yeah, and we're going to wind up being dependent on a Supreme Court decision at some point in the future. And John, the left has already shown us that they couldn't care less about a Supreme Court decision. It really truly makes no difference to them what they rule. They're going to do what they do anyway, and we've seen that in a post-Bruin environment. Again, I was talking about that with Ryan. They just simply couldn't care. Constitution doesn't matter to them. Let's just throw this at the wall. Let's see what sticks. And, well, we'll just spend taxpayer dollars. We'll let the other side fight it out in court, and we'll see what we can get. And, you know, this to me is incredibly dangerous. It's undemocratic. It's un-American. All the things that they accuse us of is what they're doing. John, we're getting ready to take a break. When we come back after this segment, I want to maybe see if we can say some of the quiet parts out loud. I I have had a couple guests mention some of those quiet parts. I'll give you some indication of that when we come back. I'll explain that. And ladies and gentlemen, we're continuing the conversation on New Year's Eve with Dr. John Lott, founder of CrimeResearch.org. We'll be right back with John. segment of Armed American Radio is being sponsored by Crossbreed Holsters. Make sure to visit CrossbreedHolsters.com. Now let's get back to me. Dr. Lott, welcome back to the program, my friend. Thank you for being here and taking time to talk with us on New Year's Eve. Okay, let's go back to some of the quiet, but let's say some of the quiet parts out loud. John, there's been a lot of talk about the possibility of political <laughs> violence in this country. The left is throwing a lot of signs out there. My guess is, as Ryan's was as well, that the left is trying to bait the right into some type of violence, and of course they're using Donald Trump to do that. Does that, do you have that fear that there could be political violence in this country leading up to the 2024 elections? Well, I mean, I know uh, we've had a lot of political violence uh, from the left, a huge amount over many years. You have uh, the January 6th riot, uh, but that was tiny compared to many other things. I mean, none of these riots are good, whether it's January 6th or anything else. But, uh, you know, if there is any violence from the right, I'm sure the media will go and 
stoke the flames and exaggerate it in any way possible. I mean, just compare it to something like the Lafayette Square riot uh, that occurred uh, in the summer of 2020 across the street from the White House, where you had over 120 uh, law enforcement officers who were injured. Uh, you had rioters uh, scaling the White House fence. Uh, uh, the president had to be taken into a secure area for protection, according to the Secret Service. You had the church, famous historical church, burnt. You had huge damage that was done. And yet, you know, that's down the memory hole for people. You know, I don't know why that's not considered an insurrection. You're going to compare the others. You know, anyway, it's just. John, those were protests. Those weren't riots. Those were protests. That's the trick of the left. So for the media to, to, to you know, you, you mentioned in the previous segment the redefinition of the language. I've always referred to it as the left hijacking language. For example, gun control, of course, is gun safety. It's incredibly dangerous. And as I mentioned to Ryan, when the mainstream media is in the tank with that agenda and pushing that, I don't know how we get past that. I, I truly do not. Because you said, I, I, and here's a great example. You said, I don't know how that's not an insurrection. It's not, and this is just my opinion, it's not an insurrection because the media didn't call it an insurrection and they moved on from the story because, well, that was just a protest in their minds because they agree with the ideology behind that quote-unquote insurrection. I don't know how we get past that in the mainstream media, John. And like you've mentioned before on the show, it's why we have shows like this. It's why you do what you do. It's why you write the op-eds. But as we go into 2024, I think it's more important than ever that we have more of a voice. I don't know how we get that when mainstream media, as far as I'm concerned, is broken. They're not objective. It's completely biased. It's very dangerous. And with a redefinition of language, which now has the weight of law when you consider the ATF, I don't know how we get past it, John. I really don't. I am very concerned about political violence in 2024, unlike anything we've seen. I think this country's a powder keg, unlike anything we've seen since the 1860s. Prove me wrong. I hope you can. I guess I'm not so concerned about uh, people on the right. I know the Biden administration wants to go and claim that uh, right-wing domestic terrorists are the big danger. Yeah, and they we recently had a congressional hearing where you had FBI leakers come out and point to the fact that there's a, a information put out by the FBI on, on things to look for to identify right. people who are uh, uh, domestic terrorists. And among the things you're supposed to look for are things like uh, 2A, you know, people who use the symbol 2A, or uh, people who go and, and talk about the right to keep and bear. Uh, those are those are telltale signs, apparently, that help uh, FBI agents identify people who are domestic terrorists. So, I mean, I'm sure you and I are <laughs> up there on their list. But... Uh, you know, um, I uh, look to me, the most important thing is just you the elections that are coming up. Uh, and, you know, you, we talked in the earlier segment about the courts. Uh, here you have a situation where uh, a lot of the lower courts are just ignoring the Supreme Court decision. You just had mm-hmm. a decision come down uh, this last week in Massachusetts where the uh, a district court judge said that the ban on AR-15s was uh, constitutional under Bruin and under uh, the previous decisions by the Supreme Court. And they just kind of really dishonestly quote uh, the Supreme Court, their Bruin decision, in, uh, in justifying uh, their decision there. Um, and, 
if you look at who appoints the judges, Democratic appointed judges will vote one way. Republican appointed judges will generally vote a different way. And you have at the end of this coming year, you're going to have over two thirds of the district and circuit court judges. All the lower court judges below the Supreme Court are going to be Democrats. Um, and uh, by the end of the next presidential term, you're going to have uh, uh, Clarence Thomas will be 80. Sam Alito will be 78. Uh, you lose one or two of those guys, you're going to have a very different Supreme Court in terms of the issues that you and I talk about. And uh, they're not going to be able to corral the uh, uh, the lower court decisions there uh, on these issues. Yeah, it's why so, it's very critical that the Supreme Court render some type of firm decision regarding Second Amendment issues. In particular, I would suggest, you know, the quote unquote assault weapons ban. I'd love to see that Fourth Circuit case out of Maryland get up there very quickly so that we can put this stuff to bed. Yeah, John, I'm, I'm not, um, you, you know, you mentioned the, the domestic, here we talk about the constitutionally protected right to keep and bear arms. I use a hashtag 2A or gun rights, et cetera, on every tweet I put out. I guess that makes me a domestic terrorist in the eyes of the FBI. It's very frightening that we are at a place like this in the United States of America where you and I, and we joked about it in private text messages back and forth a couple of weeks ago about some of the uh, some of the things that we're talking about right now that I guess puts us on a list simply for talking about the right to keep and bear arms. The right to keep and bear arms is, is as far as our current government is concerned, has us listed as dangerous people for talking about a constitutionally protected right. We've got about one minute. I'll ask you this. Are you optimistic going into 2024? How do you feel into going into 2024 that you felt in previous years? You've got about 45 seconds. Well, I guess I'm normally I'm an optimistic person, but I have to confess I'm pretty nervous this year because there's so much there. Uh, you know, uh, to me, uh, I I understand why people want to support Trump uh, in terms of the nomination, but uh, I'm not sure he's the strongest candidate that we can put up in the general election. I think the Democrats are basically playing Republicans by doing things that they know are going to make it so that Republicans will vote for Trump. And it's one thing to go and say that you believe that um, what the Democrats are doing to him are is horrible and uh, uh, dishonest. And, uh, you know, they should get their comeuppance for weaponizing all this stuff against him. But. I worry that uh, just because you're sympathetic to him and you believe that he's been badly, badly, badly wrong, uh, I'm not sure that that's a good enough reason to support him on this stuff. It's You want to go with your strongest candidate just because Trump is the strongest person in terms of uh, the primaries. I'm not sure that he's going to be the strongest in terms of the general election. I think somebody like DeSantis would be much stronger, but... Who knows what's going to happen? I, I just want someone to go on the Republican side to replace uh, Biden, uh, given the concerns that you and I are talking about, because I think the damage that's going to be done to the gun industry, if you have another four years of people like who are running the ATF and other things, you're going to have really major damage. Uh, done to uh, gun, done to the gun industry. I, I couldn't agree more. John Lott, Happy New Year, my friend. Thank you so much for being here and taking time out on New Year's Eve. We appreciate it very much. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy this upcoming encore of the roundtable with the crew, Brad, Neil, and Justin Moon. 
And I'll see you back live on Armed American Radio's Daily Defense. Just filled your prescription for freedom with Mark Walters, presented by X Insurance. X Insurance on the Armed American Radio Network. Uh-huh. 